you have to keep going and keep trying to climb this wall, whatever wall it is, to to get your creativity out to the to the people. And when one door closes, another door opens. THTC, the UK's leading ethical streetwear label. Organically grown and ethically built garments from hemp, organic cotton and other sustainable materials. 2019 is their 20th anniversary year. Join me with THTC as a Killer Keller podcast sponsor celebrating music, social activism, hemp and street culture. THTC, eco-fashion redefined since 1999. Beatbox created. And we need to talk about world music and street culture. Big shout out to our Don's Graffiti Kings. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Killer Keller podcast. And shit, if I was to put in my top five fingers of people who, if they hit me up and said, I need you for this, I would just jump on a plane and do it. Because this man right here, single-handedly, put my career in motion. Didn't you? That's right. Make some noise for DJ Vadim wherever you are in the world. Don't forget to sub- subscribe and uh, like, uh, retweet, post, uh, do not sleep, I repeat, do not sleep, I might repeat. <laughs> so <laughs> you've flown in. I have. This I is a VIP. All the, way, all the way from Bar- sunny Barcelona, Spain to Kensal Rise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Glamorous. It's trage- yeah, exactly. It's like you just got dropped off, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Man, Kensal Rise has changed. Talk to me about that. It used to be a bit of a shithole. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. I say shit? You can say whatever you want. You shit. Just, shit, yeah. shit, shit, shit. <laughs> <laughs> shit, fuck, shit, piss. Yeah, no, but yeah, it has. It has. I've been here for a while and it definitely feels like a, a change of tide. I think the whole of London suffers from that. Yeah. What's your take on that? I mean, you're from the, you know, the home counties, aren't you? The home counties? I'm from Amsterdam, London. It's still a London telephone number, yeah, even though true. the postcode ain't. You're from the flipping home counties. Yeah, I am. From I went. I went to your mum's yard. Remember that? No, I don't. Yeah, I did. I dropped you off. You, yeah, you're probably. from near Gatwick Airport, yeah. and I went round there, and your yeah. mum was like telling you off because your room was untidy. <laughs> I met you when you were like 16. That's true. And yeah. when I met you at Surbiton Station, you had the baggiest trousers, and there's a big wind going on, yeah. and I thought you were going to blow away. <laughs> You're like, you're like parachuting trousers. <laughs> Vadim is the premier producer DJ. Well, I mean, bro, like, yeah, we're talking about those times, but there was like, you've gone through like different genres. Like, you were pioneer of the trip hop scene, and Ninja Tune came around, then the hip hop, the whole backpack era, the backpack era into the more reggae based stuff that you're all about now. Like, you've you've gone. F- f- I mean. I, my juncture with you was that it was the it was the backpacker era. It was the hip hop don't stop resurgence. It's not that I don't like that, and it. I was ne- I never saw it as like backpack hip hop, even though I did become a bit like that, like Mr. Bongos and those kind of things. Yeah. But for me, I grew up when I grew up at school. It was just hip hop. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For, first falling in love with like US hip hop and watching films like Style Wars and Wild Style and Graffiti mm. and listening to people like Run DMC, Curtis Blow, Stetsa Sonic, yeah. BDP, Public Enemy, those kind of things. And then like at the same time, there was UK artists doing it, like mm. people like London Posse. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that was my entry to it. I wasn't like, oh, it's got to be backpack. But then like in the mid 90s, there was definitely a split. Yeah. between what the mainstream were doing mm. when people like Puff Daddy and then there was like a, a kickback against that. 
right. with like people like Mostef, Talib Kweli, yeah. and the, you know, the scene in the UK with people like Task Force, Phil Life Cypher, where you were. When I met you, you were an MC. Yeah, that's right. And you sent me a tape, and at the end of the <laughs> tape, there was you beatboxing, and I'm like, who did that? Yeah. I and recite this all the time. People are like, how did it all begin? And I was like, bro, you, like, I sent you, was it, illustrations for Jazz Fudge, wasn't that's it? That's right. With, and I just chucked a tape in for, I don't know, for shits and giggles, because I knew you was a record label. Yeah. But I didn't know it was you. Right. You know what I mean? But I'm that kind of person. I love finding, like people always say to me, oh, what, who, what artist do you want to work with the most? And of course, like, it'd be fantastic to work with Erica Badu or with this person or that mm. person. There's amazing artists in the world. Mm. But the problem of all of those people is, are they going to give me their time of day? I'm nobody to them. I feel that, yeah. Right? So they're going to come to the studio and they're going to want to charge me like $50,000. For one hour. Hmm. I ain't got $50,000 and I don't want that kind of attitude. Yeah. But when you work with someone raw, when I met you, you were hungry to come into studio. You caught the train all the way to London. You were going to flip in, sleep on my floor <laughs> until the shit was done. <laughs> I do, I, do you know I, what I mean? I'm, I pretty much had your living Julian from the stage. Julian from the creators flew over <laughs> uh, most Def and Talib Kali and they slept on his sofa and on the floor of his flat for three days. Oh, what? Yeah, what? In, in 1997, something like that. I'm hungry. Or, or maybe it was 95, 95, something like that. Yeah. They'd, they'd like one record out and they wanted to do it. And that's the thing with new people, it, the only difference is obviously there's a huge sales um, resume that you're missing between an artist that mm. hasn't released anything yeah. and Erica Badu or whoever. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Dr. Dre. But the talent is still there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then here's the thing as well, which, which I can only re reflect on conversation with you, when you talk about my beginnings in that, so I could barely remember them. I can't remember that too much. I do remember like your sofa very well. And I remember, I well, remember like 98, 97. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I remember I pretty much lived around at your house as a second home for about two and a half years. Yeah, because you were coming up with doing the shows. Yeah, yeah. And then like we got in with, got together with Task Force, yeah. with Skinny Man. Um, yeah, there's like an energy to it, and I think you know there's something to be like you were saying. There isn't that kind of, there isn't that connective thing where you can lily pad leap on another axe or artist's resume. But there ain't nothing more fulfilling than because I've had, I've done it for other artists as well. There's nothing more fulfilling than later down the line having a conversation like this, like you and me. And I'm like, dude, you fucking you put me on. If it weren't for you. Nothing. I would not have anything. I wouldn't have even begun. Do you get what I'm saying? Exactly. And that, that's something. And it that, comes back full circle because you bought me a coffee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what it's worth. That friendship. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Friendship for life, mate. Three pound forty. So listen, let's, let's reverse engineer this. Like, so where did it all begin for you? I pretty much know the 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 the, the trajectory, but like, well, how did how did it all begin for you? Because you was going to be a tennis player, weren't you? Uh, I wanted to be a tennis player, but the brutal truth was I wasn't good enough. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And at the same time as playing tennis, I got into hip-hop. And one of the guys I used to play tennis with, his old, he, we were 14, mm. 13. Mm. And his girl, his, his sister was 15 or something, two, three years older, 16, dating a local DJ who played hip-hop. And they were talking like late 80s here. So as a little 13-year-old, I would go with my friend, my best friend and his sister mm. to like carry the boxes to be a record box boy for this guy. And Who's I loved the it. Guy? Oh, I can't remember. He's just a regular bod. 
Yeah, but he was a DJ at the time. I can't remember yeah. his name. Yeah. Um, and I just loved it. And uh, then I used to go around. He used to leave the decks around my best friend's house, go around there, practice. Mm. And then I was like 17 um, in like 91, bought some turntables and just started practicing. And then the very first party I did was on my 18th birthday um, in like, I don't know, 92 or something. Mm. And <laughs> there was a fight and... Uh, it was a Bacchus wine bar in Kingston. Damn. And they used to have a plastic, they used to have a porcelain chef, <laughs> full, fully human sized porcelain chef, big fat white chef. Oh, well, like kind of like a come on in kind yeah. of greeting yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah. And you put the menu in his arms, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And the fight ended with someone throwing the porcelain chef down the stairs. What? And Damn. that was my entry into the DJ world. And you're like, I love some of this. <laughs> I mean, and, and that was, yeah, crazy. But the thing is, nowadays, people like, a-Track won the DMC when he was, what, 15? Yeah, insane, isn't it? And there was, I was watching this thing on Instagram the other day that Premier and Jesse Jeff were posting these two, these two twins from, from America dancing and they're like... They're two girls. Yeah, yeah two yeah. 12-year-olds yeah. and they're like DJing and yeah. I'm like, now the accessibility to, to technology and know-how. Because yeah. when I started, there was no YouTube. No. There was no internet. No. You know what I mean? No one even had a mobile phone. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you, they didn't even have cars back then. So, so you had to know someone who, yeah, no, they had cars. I just... Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. Um, and there's that DJ, Olivia. You, you checked her out? Who's she? She's another DJ. But she's like, they've done the crazy... You know what? Everything is within the box of the mixer now, right? Yeah. It's like Pioneer's really like yeah. taking it. And, you know, they're pushing buttons. This chick, she must be about... 16, 17, she's smashing it. And the camera angles and the whole thing, it's very B-girl-esque. And I'll, I'll show you the link. But, like, it's an all-encompassing package now. It's almost like... A, I try and mirror it to, like, maybe when people first saw Hendrix do the guitar thing. Like, nowadays, it's just a given. Oh, yeah, people play the guitar. Like, it's, it's very much packaged in that way now, isn't it? It's like, because technology allows you to be anything you want to be within the proximity of the, the, the lens. I mean, the, fi the thing I would say about that is there's things that are always going to happen which are a gimmick. Hmm. And sometimes when you're in that moment, you're not quite sure if that's going to be a gimmick or that's going to take off. Yeah. And obviously nowadays, so many things have been done. So what happened three years ago or five years ago can't be repeated of the same success. No, that's right. You know, yeah. so when you see like 12 year olds head spinning on top of something and pressing buttons, mm. um, that's cool and it's funny and it's interesting to watch. But will that person make a career of that? Because when that yeah. person is no longer 12 it's years true. old and 24 years old, yeah. does anyone want to see a 24 year old mm. head spinning? It is a gimmick, isn't it? No, but some of it. I'm not yeah. saying, I'm not saying that is, but no, I think it's a fine line between art. That's right. The the, the, the virality of it, yeah. the, the 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 gif of it. That's yeah. that's uh, that's the gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because there is an argument. I mean, I was watching this Kate Bush documentary last night. I mean, I just bumped into it and I started. I, then there was a conversation that was like, when she first came out, it was very uh, cabaret esque, gimmicky. Like, what's when does something not become a gimmick? When you have talent, mm. and um, pardon me, when you have when you have talent and um, skill, mm. Mm. 
to do something because yeah okay it's skill to head spin or it's um entertaining to have a burlesque show what are you if you're asking how do you create longevity from that tell me that is yeah. is is to keep a show going it's like um What's that big burlesque show that goes around the world? Um, um, what's that? Oh, I know the one you mean. The American thing. No, no. Yeah, uh, fuck, I can't remember, but I know who. I know what you're talking. The about. huge theatrical. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's called. Uh, yeah. It's, it's gonna lose us. Yes, it's in Las Vegas. It's, it's in, in London. Answering the comments, guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the reason why that is good because they've got basically the the best acrobatic dancers of the world mm. and they've put on a huge production mm. that's unrivaled mm. and it goes all around the world and it, at the same time it's playing in London, it's in Las Vegas, it's in New York, it's in Moscow, in Tokyo, wherever. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But they just smashed it on sheer volume and money and production and promotion and put together a show. If we're talking about someone on Instagram, you know... It's top heavy, isn't how, it? How, how do you differentiate yeah. between those things? I don't know, because you know what? You can spend a lot of time, do, on, I do, on Instagram, and you see some amazing singers, and what's what's stopping those people? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I know one thing. I don't know if you know, you know Gaddy? No. My Italian friend. Yes. The one that's on your Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he, he lived with Adele huh. in uh, South London. Yeah. Right? And it was him, Adele, and Adele's mum. No before way. She, before she was Adele. Before she, before... Her, her first album was 16, right? Yeah. Right? And he told me when she was about, she was there and she was like just this normal person. Yeah. Nothing like, you would not say, oh my God, you know, yeah. look her. Yeah, yeah. And she would just be this girl who'd sing in the shower. Yeah. He never even thought anything about it. Fast forward a year and a half, mm. he moved out of there. They had like some little, little flat. Yeah. Right? Wow. And then he sees the posters and it's like, oh my God, that's that girl I used to live with. That's crazy. And that's crazy. Do you know what I mean? She mm. so so sometimes things like that can happen. It's not But is that manufactured? Does it have to be like a bigger machine I, in process? Yeah, but I don't think place? I wouldn't say she was that manufactured. No, I don't No, I'm trying to work out the zeitgeist in that. Like she had to be on a record label to to facilitate it. Yeah, because, because she, that's the kind of music she was making. She's one of the biggest artists of the twenty 20th century, we, just the 21st century. I don't know, it's mathematics kind of work. Yeah, this, of the last 20 years, she's one of the biggest selling yeah. artists. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, but again, what, right, because like, we come from an era, and we still do, and there is still that era, we're st in the middle of it now, of the DIY, you know, grab everything you can and make it happen, kind of ethos. Yeah. Like, more often than not, it's congested, and, how often, we can only count on one hand the amount of times that people have used the social media as a platform and then capitalised on it later down the line. Like, how frequent do we see, like, Adele's in, in this arena? I think, I think every year, I always felt that, but even before social media became a thing, mm. every year you get one or two things that break through mm. that will be... Or, or, or an organic breakthrough. Yeah. You have major labels trying to push new artists all the time. Yeah. Brand new artists they found somewhere. But the what the real what as in some of those artists, I can't say look, everything that major labels releases is, is rubbish. No. Sometimes they do have good things. I think they use some of the some of the um, yeah. things that we but, do in but, the underground. But every every so often in terms of the underground, mm. like artists, you'd get maybe one or 
or two things mm. popping up a year yeah. that will somehow gain traction. And it's sometimes it's really hard to say, why did that do well and not that? Yeah, yeah. You know, it could, it could be just because they're from this place and not from this place. Yeah. Timing I mean? as well. Who's Timing, in the look, the video, the what they, you know, and it's... Um, there's a lot of things to consider, isn't there, as an independent artist? I think you've always you've always been a, an advocate of like control and being. I remember times when because you had the, in in Surbiton you had the, you had the house and then you had the upstairs studio room yeah. and countless times I remember coming out of your spare bedroom and seeing you. I don't know you've got some rash on your hand or you <laughs> you've hurt your leg or because you're going up and down the stairs like a yo-yo and you haven't slept and you're just like you're thugging out the artwork on one thing while the label of another and getting the tour ready for something else managing a song that you know is needs to be completed you've always been an advocate of like control haven't you? yeah but nothing uh, that, that that hasn't changed being trying to be uh controlling the different um aspects of your career but nowadays tell me what artists aren't doing their own Facebook and mm. up on Photoshop editing, mm. you know what I mean, mm. photos and flyers and posting things on their YouTube and then using other platforms and linking Instagram with this and that and you've got to multitask. Yeah. And the people who don't do that either have a team mm. behind them who can do that for them yeah. and if they don't have a team and they don't do it themselves, they will die yeah i mean artistically speaking on a, a bu bunch of levels i think yeah you've got you've got to mm. there's there's no way it's like and things are so flipping fast paced people forget about the music that came out six months ago yeah do you love it music it's everything, a drug everything do i love everything i love donald trump <laughs> do you love everything about the process and the creative as well yeah because it's it's fun i don't get i don't get for a second like an inkling that you aren't passionate about all fronts you you always seem to be um occupied you, you have seem to, to love be. it yeah you have to be occupied you have to keep you have to keep going and keep trying to climb this wall whatever wall it is to to get your creativity out to the to the people and when one door closes another door opens or yeah. you get your foot into another door and you keep trying trying to do things and it's fun and yeah. the thing that keeps me awake at night is that one day all of this will collapse. I never want to be, I never, the reason I even started this was one good time, a long, long time ago, before I even started the music, someone told me, don't be that guy who gets to like 60 and you never went for your dreams. Because if you go for your dreams and you tried, and, it, and even if you fail, and lots of people do fail, mm. at least you tried. And that's more than most people because yeah. you know you tried. Yeah. I gave it a go. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like it's like being a boy and you see a beautiful girl at the bar and like you're too shy to talk to her. Yeah. And all the boys are the same way. Yeah. Everyone's like too shy. Oh, I can't. She's not. She's out of my league. She, I can't. I can't. I can't. And the one boy who 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 stores up enough courage to go over there and yeah. go, hello. Yeah, yeah. And she's going to be like so gobsmacked yeah. that he'll get her. Yeah. But that's that's all it was. Is that that little courage. <laughs> and you'll <laughs> never know. And that's the thing with the music. It's like if you don't go for it, and that's what my I would say to anyone, like, a recommendation for anything creative is, like, just go for it. And if it doesn't work out, 
It's not because you're not good enough. It's not because uh, of anything like that. It's just because there's so many factors involved mm. in being a do-it-yourself, self-employed yeah. artist, whether you're yeah. painting pictures, writing books, a cake maker, a, a beatboxer, a producer, a rapper. Mm. There's so many factors that a lot of them are out of your hands. Out of your hands. But you've it's got luck. to show up. Here's, a, here's something, and this is something that definitely resonates, even hearing you say it, because I remember very distinctively back in... 1999, 2000, 2001, us sitting at the cafe around the corner. I think Swollen members were there, Prev and Madchild, yeah. and we're all sitting there having like a fry up. And, and the attitude was, for me, listening to the, the overall conversations on the table, it was one of, doesn't matter how talented you are, show up, be there, do it, because it's not enough. And, and there's something about this day and age where, which I still think that holds a huge value, but but people get dis, they get distracted by the likes and the views and the clicks and the, you know, the the, the affirmations. Do you know what I mean the, the, because that in itself is like someone coming up to you every five minutes going, "Well done, mate. You've done well there," you know. And that kind of that kind of lowers your uh, libido, doesn't it? The, I mean, the thing of social media is it's a tool. It's the greatest tool we have, and it's free. But it's also the greatest distraction, mm. Mm. and it could be your greatest downfall as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Look at people like um, Azealia Banks, yeah. getting into random arguments and random people to the point where she lost her whole career. She can she come back? I don't know. I've, I've not made, heard of for ages. You know? She she made that kind of anti-Jewish thing, anti-white yeah. thing, and then like English music is crap when her whole market. Oh, yeah was in the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, and, and then that she was dropped by her agency, she was dropped by her management. Do you yeah, know what I mean? You yeah. can get... People can... Um, and a lot of people have been talking about this, like... Um, uh, I don't know if you follow Kevin Hart, the comedian. Yeah, of course. He, he talks about this negative space and how people try to draw you into these... Uh, I hate this, I hate that. Yeah. Oh, don't you hate this? And then they try to draw you into their little petty hates. Yeah. And then you're like, you see them, oh yeah, I don't like it when people do it. And then, and then you start thinking in a negative way. I don't like it when people start. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And like, no, you, you shouldn't try and focus on negativity because yeah, yeah. then, then it's going to draw you away from whatever that your plan was for yeah, that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've never been a negative. I've never nah, heard. You got, I mean, apart from the odd hip hop connection article of two, but <laughs> I've never heard you be particularly negative. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's, there's... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I've got 100%. And, and those 100%. distractions. And, it, and it's really, really hard because I know what it's like when you, when you work really hard and, so, you know, someone comes out and just says, you know what, this is shit. Mm -hmm. And you're like, what? Mm -hmm. Nah, why why'd you say that? Yeah. And it pisses you off. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. When you, when you put your heart and soul into something and someone just turns around and says that. Yeah. But, but there's a culture now that with conversation, these things are flagged. Um, again, I've never... I've never really thought about it until people conversate about it. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. Negativity, you are dragged into it. It's a lot more easier to, to enjoy in, and revel in negativity. In, in, in those negativities, right, this is, what, this is what Kevin Hart said. When you go up on your email yeah. or you're up on, you, on YouTube watching a video, yeah. suddenly all these little, little click-me boxes open up mm -hmm. around you mm -hmm. and you get these messages, oh, look at this, look at that, based on your search history, based on your whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, so all of those little, little porn sites will come up on Algorithms. yours. Algorithms. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 like the porn sites, yeah. like shit. But <laughs> all, those, all those little things will come up yeah. to try and take you away from your page to go yeah. and click on it. Yeah. Like Algorithms, tempting. isn't yeah. it? You know. And that is what, and in real life, 
that's quite similar. Like people will try and draw you away because negativity is such a powerful tool. Powerful, yeah. And and like they they draw you with this like oh yeah. it's it's really shit weather in it yeah. really shit or look at that this is just like the state of music is really shit or yeah. you know and then the, the problem with with that is like then you start thinking in this negative way yeah. and it'll just alter you that's right you know what I mean yeah and like um, well yeah. it becomes your environment that whole thing suddenly yeah. becomes you and your perspective like. Up against everyone else is is so wide. It's almost yeah. like your own little bubble you end up being, and, isn't it? And, and, and it's quite it's quite a thin line. Like you know you know THTC uh, THTC yeah. Big up THTC clothing all right. day. Gav, yeah. so he has a t shirt, right? And I like it, but I disagree with it at the same time. Which one are you talking about? Uh, he, he says, "Love God, hate religion." And actually, I wear that t shirt and I like it, but I would not have phrased it like that. Because I think that's too negative. Like, I understand that uh, a lot of the hate religion. Mm. It's not the hate religion. You should focus on, if you're a religious person, you should focus on God, not religion. Mm. Yeah. Do you understand? I not hate. Because you can't be love and hate. Hate's a very strong um, word. Strong word. And yeah. it's very one dimensional, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, so that's why if I was going to say, you know, mirror that comment on something, you know, Love, I don't want to, I wouldn't say love, being creative, hate nine to five mm. or something like that. I'd be mm. like, no, focus all your, yeah, love, focus all your attention on this mm. and not that. But here's the thing though, because, you know, we're very fortunate to have these conversations and I would argue that more, more often than not creative people have this, the mental space to, to have these thought, inner thoughts and Projecting it now is awesome, but there's people like out there that do have a nine to five and fall in to, at a guess, f don't have time to, to think these things through. Next thing, they're on their feed. Next thing, this hate thing is on their feed that they use as a platform to escape a lot of times. It's so hard for people to, to, to overthink it's hard for people to get a perspective, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's what's happening in politics right now. With this Do you whole, like politics? Yeah, this whole thing with Brexit here and with mm. Trump and what he's doing in the US and there's like a big... See, I don't really get into politics at all. I'm really? so vanilla about the whole shit. Well, yeah, because it's like, it doesn't come under my... I mean, in the, in the, in the micro, it doesn't come on my... Uh, it takes too much of my attention. Yeah, Believe me, and I get into a lot of arguments. And I it's not worth to, it, dude. And I think that's myself, hate right there. That's a lot of hate time. And I just think to myself, oh my God, I just wasted my time talking to you. Yeah, yeah. But it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. I have like a, I mean, I mean, the thing with the whole Brexit thing for me was just because as an artist. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, you, I, you know. I, I, I just hate the idea of borders. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I like the possibility to go and play in any country in the world mm. and meet any person. Mm -mm. And I don't like the idea of being controlled and someone telling me, no, you can't go there. I get it. I get it. And I think that's an artist's concern all the way. And also an independent business or, you know, manufacturer. It's like there's a lot of things to consider now. Um, with uh, with that international repertoire that you have, there, I mean, I can only call back to the people we met and the places we went to uh, going across them borders. And... We were really, 
I remember Russian percussion. There'd be a lot of people that would be checking this out, knowing our relationship in that. Um, I was the drum kit. You were the you were the decks. You were the bass lines. You were you were the modified crab scratch that was some sort of broken switch on your Vestax, <laughs> if I remember rightly. And then there was Mr. Thing, and then there, there was uh, Blue Rum Thirteen, and there was the four of us going as what would be like described as a kind of a little bit more ahead of its time, like live band. We we. I think we could have boasted, what, 17, no, how many, t- I mean, 187 dates in like 12 months or something. Like we, we did what a lot of shows. Did, yeah. did, did, did a lot of shows. You know, I was reading 16 about, different countries or something in a year. Some who, shit. Who's that really famous guy that does blues? Um, uh, one of the most famous blues singers. Name me some blues singers. Um, that Jordan, what's his name? Guy with the, what, the guy with the rat round his neck. No, no blues. That's, that's blue. jazz, isn't it? Um, blue, American blues. New? No, old. Blues. Oh, I forgot now. I, my memory is rich. John Lee Hooker or something. Uh, maybe it was John Lee Hooker. There was, there was one guy who's still alive, who's still doing it, and they said he's doing around 290 shows a year. Stop. Yeah, something like that. Or maybe he has 300. And I'm like, that is, that is six days a week. Yeah, that's amazing. Right, that is literally yeah. six days a week, non-stop, and he's been doing that. There's an article I was reading about him. I, I don't know if it was John Lee Hooker, but and he's been and he's literally done that for forty years. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I'm like, there is something in me that I love live music. Mm. I love going to see live music, and I love being on the road. Mm. But there is also another part of me that likes to have a break <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> because yeah, we did a lot and. And you know, you know where I got that from? I got it from... I know to, where you got it from. You I, told I, me. I got it from going to America, partly. Yeah. And, when and I got David to America, Bowie. You said that David Bowie did 113 dates in like 120 days. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of people did it like, like that back in the day. And yeah. it's, it's sheer hard work to... You have your craft and you, have, you just have to go out there. Yeah. And, and, and crush it as much as you can mm. and take it to anywhere. Yeah. You know, we drove all around Europe, everywhere. We, I, I, we were, cabin fever wasn't the word, bro. Like, I was in... Si- for about four months, I was sitting in front of a uh, Rhodes, key, Rhodes piano box. Like, I didn't oh, yeah. even see Ford. Do you remember? That's right. I ended With up buying cuddly toys at every petrol stop and shit like that. Oh, Do you remember that show in Italy, in, in, in um, Napoli, where we had the keyboard player, John Ellis, who, yeah. became, who then went on to become uh, part of Cinematic Orchestra, one of the that's writers. It, that's right. And the club was so small that the keyboard was inside the club and he was sitting in the fire exit, <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is yeah, yeah. was the side exit from the stage. And his seat was outside the club, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but his arms were inside the club. Yeah, yeah. We, were fearless, <laughs> bro, we were fearless back then. I do remember it. And also, the, the, I was so precious being, being young and very green. I just remember being so precious of every single show. It was like... The sound wasn't right, and you must have it must have done your Swede because a lot of the times it, you'd be like, "Well, it's all right. There's another show tomorrow. Who cares?" Like, I if, mean, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like the repetition was really like we became a well-oiled machine by the time we got to you know to London events. I know, it's insane. I mean, the the whole thing with those kind of things is I wish I would have uh, been able to capitalize because there's some people going to watch this and go, "What are they talking about?" And that's because we did this tour in around between 2002 to about 2005, something like that, mm. three years where we did, we took basically live hip-hop on the road. Yeah, yeah. and like, it had not been done before. At that point, no. And there was people, there was, the, un, the closest equivalent at that point would have been maybe The Roots. The roots yeah. yeah, 
because the Roots had Razel and Scratch, two excellent beatboxers, but they were a band, like mm. a band band. We kind of merged the whole, what I, the Scratch Pickles were doing yeah. combined with what the Roots were doing. Yeah, kind of, because we had, we had the live instrument of the keyboard player, yeah. we had the, the rapper, mm. two DJs and a beatboxer and just took that on the road um, everywhere. Yeah, and we, for anyone listening thinking, oh, cool, we're, you know, it's just, it just was a regular band that was doing this thing. Bro, bro we... We were we had bags of money. Like there was money in the fucking fanny packs. Like we were literally on road, wasn't it? And it was like we were self sufficient. There is that real romantic kind of keep us on the road ethic, and it really it really became that, didn't it? It's like we were okay. Road men. We were road men. Like it was madness, and there was no cell phones. It was literally like we were in the middle of Nova Scotia, or or in between Krakow and fucking. Were you on that? Were you on that tour when we went up the hill in, in? in uh, Canada, and it was in winter. We got to the top of the mountain. Well, it wasn't the very top, but you know the, where the road goes. Mm-hmm. And there was a bear standing in the middle of the road. No, I don't remember that. Oh, well, I might have done. I mean, th- everything becomes a blur, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, I don't remember what I did two weeks ago, but but there was a few. There's a few fundamental things that did did happen on on those particular tours that really changed everything. Like there was these moments of just uh, camaraderie which I only ever dreamed of wanting in the village I was from. I wanted to listen to Tribe Called Quest Midnight Marauders with a gang of people in the back of a fucking van. That shit happened. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It, 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 a lot. It happened a lot. And I remember fucking us pulling up at a petrol station and because all the other um, regular pipe pa- um, tankers were being used by car, we went to the, the truck one. Do you remember oh, yeah. this? Yeah, I pull up at a truck and like I'm standing there filling up our minivan with a massive truck petrol pump yeah. and all of a sudden it just fucking blows back into all of my clothes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Some silly shit. Like, but I remember we had a no yop rule because you had a yop accident. Yeah. Oh, yeah can, you still, can, can you still buy yop? Yop's a yoghurt, isn't it? Yeah. It's a very European yoghurt, isn't it? It's, no, it English. Is. I don't know if they have it anymore. Yeah. It used to be really big. But it stank the place out, didn't it? Yeah, you, you, yeah. you, you were going, you had you bought a bottle of yop, it yeah. was a yogurty drink, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the car, the van went over a bump, and yeah. then you ended up like pouring all yeah. the yop down yourself, and we're like, Keller, yeah, yeah. what yeah, have you yeah. done, mate? And Mr. Thing always wanted a McDonald's, remember? Oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. He ate up McDonald's. Oh, no. This episode continues over on your favourite podcast platform. Don't forget to subscribe to us.